On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to the 2022 season of the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. As we launch a new year of conversations, we are excited to continue the much-needed dialogue of how we as a community can support those who are caring for another, as well as how we as a local not-for-profit organization can shift how we approach these issues to be part of the solution, meeting the unique needs of this important group of people. In today's episode, Caregiver Identity, Trent Cockrum, CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, is joined by Dr. Elise Eifert, Assistant Professor and Graduate Coordinator for the Gerontology Program at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. You can read more about Dr. Eifert in the notes for this episode. Together, they will discuss the identity development process that caregivers experience and how awareness of this identity can result in better connections with and utilization of available resources. Let's listen in. I'm really excited about this topic that we're going to talk about and explore today. But I have to ask as we get started, um, you know, what what sort of led you down this path really quickly of becoming a gerontologist and what really interested you in the public health space about gerontology, particularly, and then more substantively, uh, you know, beginning to undertake this understanding of caregivers? Sure. That's a, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Um, I, I probably have personal and professional reasons for pursuing this path. Um, I definitely have lots of family caregivers in, in my uh, family. Um, so I've experienced caregiving firsthand. I've witnessed it, families coming together and, and, um, trying to, to deal with health crises and issues. Um, but really what, what led me to my research was the work that I was doing in Florida. So my first job out of college was as a health educator for an Alzheimer's disease resource center. And we were in Southwest Florida in the county that we were in, the numbers were around 20,000 people had, a, had Alzheimer's disease or dementia. Wow. Well, I knew I, I, the work that I was doing that we weren't serving near that number. So I had a big question about why that was. Why weren't these people accessing these free services that were readily available? And this is a pretty underutilization of support services is a pretty well-researched area. But something that hadn't had a lot of attention was this idea of caregiver identity and that I really theorized that people didn't utilize services because they didn't necessarily identify as a caregiver. So they didn't necessarily recognize these services as something that was for them or could benefit them. And I really had no intention of ever getting my doctorate or being a a college professor. Um, But I spent five years at this organization. And at the end of it, I just had I had more questions than I had answers. And I knew the only way I was going to get these answers was if I did the research myself. Um, And so that was really the triggering event for me to pursue my my Ph.D. And it brought me to North Carolina from from Florida um, and I've really just followed um, my path of working with family caregivers from there. 
Yeah. Well, so in full disclosure, you know, the way I, we happened to meet each other is because I stumbled across your dissertation, um, which is uh, uh, titled Measuring Caregiver Identity, Scale Development and Validation. It's a pretty fascinating read. I actually did take the time to, to read it. And some of the things amazing. That you, I'm still amazed by that. <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that you really identify are um, pretty, you know, what I can what I think about today are pretty universal but one of the things that you cite and you alluded to it just now is that for many people, caregiving is this evolution. You know, I don't think there's anybody that sort of wakes up on any given day and says, well, today I'm in a caregiver and yesterday I wasn't. Um, I don't think that happens. I think that this happens much as you cite over a span of time, but we don't always think about it that way, right? Correct. So to answer this, we have to understand what identity is in the identity development process. Um, so identity in a, in, a, in a practical sense is an individual's sense of, of self. It's typically how we would answer the, the existential question of who am I? <laughs> now, right. now, most of us hold multiple identities. We're not singular in this, this way. And our identities have a tendency to change over our, our lifetime. But, you know, we have a cultural identity. We have a professional identity. We have a racial identity, a gender identity, um, a religious identity. Um, and these identities may be different at different points in our life. Um, and so caregiver identity is really the proclamation that I, I am a caregiver. This is the identity we have as it relates to the caregiver role. Now, identity development is, is really interesting, and it's a complex process, as you kind of alluded to. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and there are lots of theories of, of identity development, but mostly, uh, you know, it revolves around these internal and external processes. So we, we think of certain identities, um, but then they're also validated externally by, by other people or other people give us these identities. Um, and so there's a lot of back and forth and interaction and exchange to really solidify a identity. Um, and so for caregivers, we have to understand the pathways to becoming a caregiver and how diverse they are. For some, it's, it's sudden and it happens instantaneously, like after a stroke. And then for others, it's a really gradual process that starts with just a few little things, um, like in a situation like Alzheimer's mm -hmm. disease. Um, for some caregivers, caregiving is intermittent and from a distance. For others, it's living in the same house and it's 24 hours, seven days a, a week. All of this is to say that for every caregiving, ca caregiver, caregiving is different. So developing caregiver identity is different. A starting point may be when the first tasks are taken over, but caregiver identity can really develop, develop at, at any point along the, the caregiving trajectory. Right. So suffice it to say, I think, you know, for folks who are listening to this, um, who, you know, are beginning to think about uh, or beginning to wonder, you know, am I actually beginning to assume a caregiving role? Mm -hmm. You know, it can begin, it sounds like what you're describing um, as 
as it begins with things that are perhaps relatively simple in many cases, the Mm -hmm. simple sort of uh, things like grocery shopping or assistance with finances or um, light, you know, just sort of basic housekeeping things, doing laundry and things like that, Um, getting folks to a doctor's appointment um, and then back again, um, you know, preparing their medications for the week or their meal for a week. And and we, we think about those as really sort of, Um, you know, those are things that are not, that most people would consider to be generally um, uh, not intrusive in their life. Um, But, but it is the beginning, I think of a, oftentimes of a longer term uh, evolution where you begin to find yourself into a, uh, in becoming a, a, evolving into a different identity than what you had when you first started. Right. I think that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so, um, caregiving is definitely this vague term. It's not, uh, like the socially shared idea of what caregiving is and what caregivers do there. There really isn't a universal definition. Um, I think of family caregivers as, as being anyone who provides unpaid assistance. This is to differentiate it from paid nursing assistance and caregivers. Um, But they provide unpaid assistance to another person. And it doesn't really remember matter what that relationship is. And it's to some degree, uh, to varying degrees, right? It can be the, the little things, but it can also be a lot of big things um, to someone who really needs help or, or aid, right? So with that, with my thinking, there's a lot of gray areas to that. Um, and that really happens with many definitions, which is one of the reasons that, that led me to wanting to research caregiver identity mm-hmm. and measure it. Um, so we've always struggled with identifying caregivers. Um, typically what we do is, are you a caregiver? Yes or no. And it's a self-identifying process. But we found out about 20 years ago that that's, that's a little problematic. Um, AARP did this great study where they asked the question, are you a caregiver, yes or no? And then they followed it up with a second question about you know, specific task. Do you assist with any of the following tasks, bathing, dressing, eating? So these were tasks that are typically associated with caregiving. And what AARP found out was that about 15% said no to the first question, are you a caregiver? No, um, but said yes to the second question about performing the task of a caregiver. Interesting. So, yeah, so that suggests there's a problem, right? That there are millions of family caregivers who are performing the traditional duties of caregiver but don't necessarily see themselves or identify as a, as a caregiver. So we're, we're missing a, a certain percentage, right? We're, we're, we're not clearly identifying caregivers the best way possible. And what are these, you know, how can we do better? How can we utilize the idea of caregiving or the definition, the description of, of caregiver to better identify these people who are doing this really hard, important work. 
Hi friends, it's your host, Ryan Biagini. Join us for future episodes to learn more about the innovative work our organization is doing specific to understanding and supporting caregivers and how you can engage with us to be a part of this exciting community change. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be sure not to miss an episode. And now let's get back to the conversation. And so what I think we're talking about is it it makes me wonder if those 15% of folks who said, no, I'm not a caregiver, but yes, I'm actually doing these other, these other, what we would consider to be caregiving tasks. Um, it, it makes you wonder um, whether or not they saw a caregiver as a label versus an identity, um, you know, because an identity is more sort of internalized versus, you know, um, the label is sort of what I go about doing every single day. Well, no, I'm not that. I'm, I'm just, you know, maybe doing the things that I feel are responsible for me to do. It just happens to be these things, but I'm not a caregiver. Right. It's complicated. The, the AARP study definitely begs the question of, of why. What is it about these 15, 15% of people who are not identifying as caregivers? Like, why do they not consider themselves um, a caregiver? Um, and I do I do think it's possible that, in, you know, in some cases, the, the caregiving just isn't a big enough factor in that sure. person's life to, to be a full blown identity. Sure. They, they may just be that occasional helper, like they're given a ride to a, a doctor's appointment or they do minor things. Um, I like to think about caregiving in kind of two separate categories. Like there's caregiver with a big C and then there's caregiver with a small C. Um, We're, we're all occasionally caregivers with a small C, right? Like I cook, I cook my husband dinner most nights, but I'm not a caregiver with a, with a capital C, right? right? We have to differentiate between caring via helping and actually caregiving caregiving yeah um and i'll point out that labels do lead to identities and a lot of and a lot of times if we're told frequently enough or by someone of importance that we're a caregiver we start to believe it that's part of the identity development process and so it seems as though it becomes really incumbent upon organizations like ours and folks like you who are doing this really important research to begin, you know, helping folks, um, you know, proactively identify themselves in either a big C um, caregiver capacity or that maybe they are performing the smaller C caregiving components. And just to differentiate between those, the, the big C caregiver is, is sort of the, the full bore you know, the full bore uh, responsibilities of caregiving. We're doing a lot of things um, uh, for for another person. But the little C is just like you said, you're cooking dinner for your husband and you're doing the things you're maybe doing his laundry and things like that, but you're not, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not a surrogate for his activities of daily living. He's still able to do those things for himself. So right. I think that's an important differentiator. Yeah. Independent. Folks who are listening, but but mm-hmm. it seems though it becomes really incumbent upon us to begin sparking this thought in people to begin thinking about, well, gosh, am I really a caregiver? And then how do I then begin to prepare myself for this? Because we oftentimes think about it just as you know this bedside consideration, but that's 
typically further down the road, it begins much more, um, much more ambiguously, perhaps, right? Sure. Identity is, is so important. It, it dictates our behavior in a lot of ways. So for example, if you identify as a runner, you dress in athletic clothing, you buy running shoes, you subscribe to running magazines, you hang out with other runners, you may pick a neighborhood to live in because of the paved sidewalks where mm-hmm. you can, can run on, right? So identity, I identify as a runner and this identity has influenced all these different behaviors and actions that I, that I take. Well, we can apply that to, to caregiver and, and the most important caregiver behavior that we wanna see is seeking help and accessing support services for caregivers. If people don't see themselves as caregivers, then they will miss out on some really important resources meant to help them during their caregiver journey. Mm -hmm. So we need people to embrace the identity of caregiver more strongly and sooner in the caregiving trajectory in hopes that they will access and utilize the resources that are meant for them and, and hopefully prevent some of the harmful outcomes associated with long-term caregiving. Yeah. So the, the harmful effects being sort of the deleterious effects that we know, right. It, it is physically exhausting, emotionally Mm -hmm. exhausting. And so engaging in some thoughtful self-care on the front end by realizing your caregiving responsibilities um, sooner rather than later helps you access the supportive services that you need in order to take care of yourself while you're caring for someone else. I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, so this is really where my public health training comes in because public health takes a primary prevention approach to to health and wellness. And so we want to prevent things before they occur. We want to make healthy choices the easy choice. Um, And so from my perspective, when I combine public health and family caregiving, you know, the the negative, uh, some of the stronger health outcomes related to caregiving, you know, the stress, the burden, um, we know they uh, have poor health outcomes, uh, mental health issues, all of those types of things. If we can do things to prevent those from ever occurring, then we're really improving the health of a lot of people. Right. So, you know, if we think about this, on a, in, even again, in a, in, a, in a practical sense, for somebody who's listening to our conversation today and trying to figure out if they fit into this caregiver box, um, you know, if they, if they find that they're sort of losing themselves in the caregiver duties and roles, this thing that you talk about role engulfment, right? Um, then what can they do about it? What, what do you say to them? Sure. Um, so, so just to, to go back a little bit, you know, the, the, you're talking about role engulfment, which was one of the factors that I found influence caregiver identity right. development. Um, and role in, engulfment is really about 
the role of caregiver and the responsibilities of caring, they, they begin to leave little time for other activities and other behaviors that may have defined that person pre previously. So as I mentioned, we have lots of identities, right? When the scales start to tip in the direction of, of caregiver identity rather than the other identities, that's when we see role engulfment and reversal you know, occurring. So that's just one, one way caregiver identity can, can start to, to form. But to go back to your original question, you know, first off, I, I hate to think that caregivers think of the identity changes that come with caregiving as losing themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. that like hurts my heart a little bit. You know, who they are is still there. It doesn't disappear with caregiving. They just have another identity at this point in time that may be more demanding or more prominent at this particular time. And so I'd encourage caregivers to focus on what they're gaining rather than what they are losing. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, I don't want to be naive and paint this um, rose-colored version of caregiving and caregiver identity. Caregiving can make it difficult to do the things that make you feel like you, um, and it's important not to let caregiving, you know, become your whole existence. And so I would encourage caregivers to invest in things that validate their other identities. And they can be really small things. You know, hold your, hold your care recipient. If you're a spousal caregiver, hold their hand to remind you that you're still a spouse. Mm -hmm. Read the book club's book this month to remind you that you're still a book nerd you were before caregiving. <laughs> you know, grab a drink with your friends to remind you that you're still a friend. Right. Um, and just remind your, you know, try to remind yourself that no one is a single identity. You are not, and you will never be just a caregiver. Um, the other thing I might say is just consider what caregiving means to them. You know, what is keeping them from identifying as a caregiver and kind of receiving the resources? You know, as we mentioned, identity is not a light bulb moment. It doesn't take, you know, one person convincing them, but a, but really a whole process to, right. to kind of get to that point. And, and it's, I mean, I think it's fair to say if you have a parent or a spouse or, you know, someone in your life whom you care deeply about, you know, it's likely that this is going to affect you at some point. It, it, it's unlikely that it will escape all of us. It will actually be a reality for most of us, I suspect. Are you talking about caregiving? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Rosalind Carter, who's the, the wife of President Jimmy Carter, has this, and she's a huge advocate of, yeah. of family caregivers. She has a whole institute in, in yeah. Georgia. Um, but she's done a lot of work on caregiving. Yes, tons. Yeah. Um, she really started out with veteran caregiving, but it's expanded to all family caregivers and a little bit of professional caregivers too. Um, but she's impressive. You want to talk about um, some great aging role models. Her right. and Jimmy both are, are just great. Um, but she has this beautiful quote about family caregiving and it's used all the time where she says there's only four kinds of people in the world those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. And so she's really implying that caregiving will eventually be part of everyone's mm -hmm. reality. Yeah. Well, so, you know, 
I think, Dr. Eifert, I want to ask you sort of this one last question. Um, and I think Rosalind Carter has really set it up best for us. Um, she's basically told us all that we're going to fall into one of four groups, but it will all involve our being a caregiver, either a recipient or a caregiver at some point in our lives. But if there's one thing that you want someone who's listening to this to understand from our conversation today that we haven't covered, what is it? We've covered a lot of information. What is the one thing you really want them to understand? Um, I, okay, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two things. <laughs> That's fair. First, first, I, I want to thank caregivers. It's a thankless job that requires a lot of significant sacrifices and celebrating and thanking them should always be a priority. So giving a shout out to caregivers is, is number one. Secondly, I want to speak to, to caregiver identity. I want to encourage anyone who is doing some of these tasks that are, are typically associated with, with caregiving to really lean into the role of caregiver. It's important that you add the title of caregiver to the list of things and identities that you are without identifying yourself as a caregiver. You won't know to search for resources that can help you navigate this difficult role. So being a caregiver is not bad. It's beautiful. And I want you to be proud of, of what you're doing. Sure. I mean, it, I think it goes to say, you know, you can do all of that without losing sight of who you've always been. Absolutely. Yeah, you can do them both. That was really beautiful. I, I thank you for joining me today, Dr. Eifert. Thank you so very much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the E-Series. We're excited to share that we'll be continuing our caregiver dialogue throughout the year ahead. Dr. Scott Merkin, Associate Medical Director for Hospice of the Piedmont, We'll be joining Trent for our next episode, having meaningful conversations about health and decline. Dr. Merkin is passionate about providing care that matches patient goals and needs and facilitating the conversations that lead there. Trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll receive a notification when this episode publishes. Until next time, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.